Okay, so we are in the middle of a machlekas, which means overall we're in the middle of a zug from Rishlakish. Rishlakish gemacht a zug that thank you, Dar HaEgel, for doing the Egel, for Zindikin, for sinning, because if you wouldn't have sinned, in the modified version, we would be nobodies. Because if you wouldn't have done that Vera, you wouldn't die. If you wouldn't die, then the ensuing Dairis would be insignificant in comparison to the Dar of the Dar Deya. And therefore, Bar Hashem, you did that Vera, which will cause you to die, which will make room for us. And we explained all this last night. But the premise of Rish Lakish is that had the Dar Egel not done the Egel, they wouldn't have died. The Gemara last night actually said that that's really a Machlikas Tanayim. One Bryce says, no, 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 no. If they wouldn't have done the Egel, then they would have had it great. It would have been the Pasuk of Yitav Lahem It would have been great. But like that, Bryce has said, death is a fact. Death is unavoidable. And even not having done the ego would not protect you or save you from death. No, sorry. That was one, Bryce. Then we brought Rabbi Yossi's opinion, like whom Reish Lakish goes. Rabbi Yossi says, no, if they wouldn't have done the ego, they wouldn't die. So, we are up to the first wide line on Heya Aleph. So asks the Gemara on Shittas Rabbi Yaisi, how does Rabbi Yaisi learn the Pasuk of the first drasha? The first drasha was, the first brisa was, you have to die. Death is a fact already. What's a Pasuk say? It'll be good for you. Which is mashma, there will be no death. It'll be good. I said there will be death. It'll be good, but there will be death. Says the Gemara, there will be good. But the fact that it just says it'll be good for you implies death will still exist. Omelchar Biyasi would tell you as follows. No. There will be no death. The good that that Pasuk is referring to, the Lumanyitavloch that that Pasuk is talking about, Kevin Delekamisa. Since there is no death, there is nothing greater than not dying. So Rabbi Yaisi is all squared away. Rabbi Yaisi holds that had the Dar Egel, obviously this is an intellectual discussion because they did the Dar, they did the Egel, but had the Dar Egel not done the Egel, Rabbi Yaisi Shita and Rish quote is they wouldn't have died. The Gemara says, what does the Tanakhama do with Rabbi Yaisi's Pasik? The Tanakhami Nami Haksiv, I. Tanakama, doesn't it say, It says, in response to the ego, Kharash Baruch says, Alas, you will die like men. You will die like men. So, says the Gemara, doesn't it say that because as a result of the ego, you will die? And Lacharet, Mamash Mashmalak Rabbi says the Gemara, something we had recently in the Darim. Says the Gemara, my Misa Anius. What does death mean in that context? You will become poor. Which means, had you not done the Ego, 
the promise of would be so pervasive, you would never lack for money. Now that you did the Egel, you're going to be subject to poverty. I mean, not everyone, but the poverty is a possibility. And that is the death referred to in the Pasuk. When the Pasuk talks about dying, it's talking about dying as in being subjected to poverty. Where do we find such a concept that, that poverty is tantamount to death? The Omar Mar are Bach Shuvim Kemesim. Four categories of people have a status of dead people. And the common thread of all these categories is, is an inability to have any effect on anybody else. What defines someone who's being dead versus someone being alive is the ability to impact. And somebody who, somebody who literally can't impact anyone is literally dead, but somebody who figuratively can't impact somebody or their ability to impact is severely limited permanently, then this person is, is in a certain respect dead because being alive means the ability to impact others. It says, therefore, four people have a din of a, of a mace, and they are, and they are, someone who is poor, someone who mamish cannot afford to throw any money on anywhere, on anything, has a limited impact. No one takes him seriously. Suma, a person who's blind and is always coming on to others to be able to function on a basic, basic level, obviously can impact others. Mitzayra, somebody who's physically separated from humanity, you can't have much of an impact on humanity when you're machotz l'machana. And finally, mishen le'bonu, the ultimate impact that someone has, and the most real impact, and the most significant impact we will all have in our lives, unless you're like one millionth of one percent. You know, some people have more impact on society than they have on their kids, but the other 99.999% of society, their main impact, their main imprint on the world is their kids. That if a father, if a person raises his family properly, that is the ultimate impact, that's the ultimate contribution, that's the ultimate leaving of one's mark on the world. And therefore, if a person, Loya, Lenu, doesn't have kids, they are Chosh of Kemes. Bunim goes for boys and girls? Or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, no, it means kids. And the Gemara proves it. Oh, you only have girls? No. Oh. <laughs> I know people that only have girls. Oh, yeah, yeah my mother only has sisters. Um, but they're very impactful. Says, <laughs> says the Gemara. Like we had recently in the Dharm. When HaKadosh Baruch was trying to persuade Moshe to go back to Mitzrayim, he said, you don't have to worry anymore. All the people that are after you are dead. Umanu, who is this referring to? Dasan Vavirim, Dasan and Avirim. Umi Mesu, really? Did Dasan and Avirim die? Mahavahava, they were most definitely around. We find them deep in, Dvar, in Bamidbar. In the Mesu of Kairach, we have Dasan and Avirim. Elish Yardum and Echseyem. They became impoverished, and therefore their ability to impact was crimped, and it's like they were dead. And a Baruch Hu could look Moshe in the face and say, they're dead. So we see that not having money is being dead, and that is the final answer for that cheetah that says, had the dar of the Egel not done the Egel, they would have 
been in a great matziv, how do you answer the pasuk that says, you're going to die? That means since you did the eagle, you're subject to poverty. And like we see here, poverty is death. What about the other three categories? Suma dechsev, like we read on Tishbav uh, by night, b'machashakim ha'shivani, you have placed me in the dark, k'meisei oilam, like the dead. So we see that someone who lives in the dark is like the dead. Metzayra dechsev, we find that uh, Miriam, when she became a Mitzvah, she said, Almasi Kames, or said to her, Don't be like a dead person with Saras. Finally, Mishael Lebanum, like we just had recently in the Parsha, Rachel said to Yankov Avinu, In Parsha's Vayet, say, Hovli Bonim, give me kids. Vim Ayin Mesa Anoichi, if not, I am dead. Taner the Gemara continues. We, we said a Pusik. When we were discussing that the level that Klal Yisrael was on after they were Makabal the Torah, before they did the Avera, we said a pasuk miyitein v'hayelavavim. Similar pasuk to that. Before we get back to that pasuk, the Gemara brings a two-line drasha tanar abanan shteitin Torah im bechukai sateleichu. If you will follow my rules, ain im elaloshan tachnunim. In this case. Im is a lotion of begging. HaKadosh Baruch is not laying down an ultimatum. He's not saying, <coughs> if you follow the rules, you'll get X. Not, not. He's saying, please. It's in my best interest. It's in your best interest. Please. Where do we find another beg? I wish my people would listen to me. I would subdue all their enemies if they would just listen to me. Another passage. If only they would listen to my mitzvahs. Your peace and your shlemus will be flowing like a river. And will be like sand, your offspring. Now, finally, we get to the passage that we're going to focus on. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, you know, this was only recorded in Dvar, towards the end of the Torah, but it was actually said right after Matan Torah. And we were proving from here the high, high, high level that Klal Yisrael was on after Matan Torah. The Gemara proved it before. The Gemara used it again on Hey. Finally, we're going to talk about this. Tan Hashem said, quoted by Moshe, Mi yitain. Who can give me? Who can guarantee? Who can lock this level in? Miyitin, who can who can guarantee Lahem that their hearts are like this and they remain like this and they remain on this level long term? And we always thought, we read it in the Torah, that it is a wistful wish. HaKadosh Baruch was just saying wistfully. Uh, you know, like sometimes, sometimes you walk outside, especially the last couple of days, and like it's January or whatever, and it's gorgeous. And you say, ah, this is such beautiful weather. You're saying, I wish it would say like this, but you and I both know, soon it's going to be freezing again, it's going to be 20 degrees. It's like just like a wishful statement that you know you have absolutely no impact or way to make it happen. That's what it sounds like. Akash Baruch saying, wow, Klai just amazing. I, I wish this could continue. The Gemara now says, 
Now, Moshe Rabbeinu was looking for a response. This wasn't a fleeting statement. Wow, this is amazing. With no expectation. This was a pregnant pause. This was a suggestion. Hello? Who, who can guarantee for me that it'll go on like this? No, 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 no. He was expecting something. He was expecting Klal Yisrael to do something about it. Say, yes, yes, we're in. And when they didn't, he called them You guys are a bunch of Kafui Tevs and you have Kafui Tev in your DNA. For not responding to my plea, for not responding to what I asked, you guys once again shown that you're a bunch of kfuye taiv b'nei kfuye taiv. B'shosh amar Kodesh Baruch Hu Yisrael. Moshe Rabbeinu was saying as follows, when HaKodesh Baruch Hu said to Yisrael, Mi'itein, who can give, who can make this happen, who can guarantee the continuation of this amazing level, v'hayel avavam zelahem, hayel lahem loimar, Klal Yisrael should have said, Tenat Hashem, you make it happen. When Moshe Rabbeinu said this, what Moshe Rabbeinu quoted Hashem saying, Ah, I wish Klal Yisrael can maintain this level. Moshe and Hashem were expecting Klal Yisrael to do something about it. What could have Klal Yisrael done about it? They could have said, Hashem, Hashem, you guarantee for it to happen that we remain Yerushalayim. And that is the unwritten part of this exchange. Which poses a major, major, major kasha that all the Mepharshim ask. Hashem said, I wish they would stay this level. Hashem wanted us to do something about it. What did Karsh Baruch want us to do about it? Hashem wanted that we should tell Hashem, no, Hashem, you make sure we never slip. Is this more just saying that we should have asked Hashem to make sure we maintain a certain level of Ruchnius? Isn't the most basic rule of Yiddishkeit, Hakol Bidei Shemaim Chutz Shemaim? Isn't the most basic rule of Yiddishkeit is that a Kaddish Baruch Hu doesn't impact your Yerushamayim decisions? It's called Bechira. It's called Bechira. Isn't that the most basic Yisoyed in Yiddishkeit? That right now, if I want, I could do a mitzvah. Right now, if I want, I could do a mitzvah. Right now, if I want, I can do an Avera, and no one's going to stop me. Hashem won't stop me. As much as he doesn't like if I would eat a ham sandwich, chas v'shalom, he wouldn't stop me. HaKadosh Baruch wouldn't stop me from doing any Avera. And that is axiomatic to Yiddishkeit. That is mamish, mamish, basic building blocks that if we don't have Bechir, we don't have Schar, and the whole world is based on Bechir. Everything is based on Bechir. Hashem will not interfere with your Ruchnius decisions. It's totally up to you. You want to do the right thing? That's great. You want to do the worst thing? I'm not going to stop you. Which is why you get such massive schar for doing the right thing. Because Hashem didn't help you at all. Which is why you get such massive schar for making the right decisions. Because it's all up to you. If it wouldn't be up to you, I'm not going to reward you. That's dumb reward. That's like, you know, a father giving his kid $10,000 to invest and saying, you're such a genius. That's not schar. That's not schar. The most basic thing in the veld is bechira chafshis. And now the Gemara is saying, we should have told Hashem, you guarantee that we remain your Mind. 
what is going on here? It is an extremely, extremely schwer gemara. You mean they're asking yeah. that it should actually happen, or just like halavai it should be? Like that's, that's do, just do something about it. Davin Tashem, you you do it. Davin Tashem, you do it. You have, the, you have I mean, a choice. You want to eat the same sandwich or not? You start. Hashem, no, it's not done. Hashem, we do it. Maybe the bechir is that you should have the bechir to ask Hashem to help you. You won't know. If you ask for help, they'll help you. Maybe. Okay, that's the whole next So there's a chazanish, which when Rabbi Pinigro showed me this chazanish 20 years ago, I thought it was like the mom is the world's best kept secret. It is an obscure chazanish, but subsequently I found that plenty of people know it. So, you know, it is somewhat known. In the back, 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 back of Erechayim, you open a Chazanish, the last page, before the pictures and before the Maftechas, is like a blank page. And since the page shouldn't be blank, they brought 14 Iberta from Chazanish on Chomish. And one of them is this Gemara. The Chazanish lays down two massive Yusaitis. Massive Yusaitis the Chazanish lays down. To, to answer this Gemara, it's four lines, I wrote the whole thing word for word on this little paper. Four or five lines of the Chazanish, five, six lines, half a column. It says the Chazanish, two massive this. Number one, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, Hakol B'day Shemayim Chutzmir Shemayim, I'm not going to get involved. We assume that to mean, because it's up to us. Says Chazanish, I've never said that. Hashem never said that. Hashem just said, I won't get involved. What one human does to another is not Hashem's problem. So, this Bechira thing doesn't mean that you as an individual have Bechira. It definitely doesn't mean your kids have Bechira. It means Hashem won't get involved. But what another human does to you is totally out of Hashem's purview and he lets it happen. Doesn't matter. I don't mind. So therefore, I as a human being can compel another human being, says the Chazanish, either by brute force or by persuasion to do a mitzvah, do an aver. By the way, we do it all the time. I definitely, I do it for a living. But, but as you do it all the time at home, you reward your kids. Not, I'm not saying you give them a candy, but it's good for your kids if they act like you're Shemayim and good kids. And it's bad for them if not. You do that. You're coercive at home. I'm not saying you're tyrannical, but you're coercive. You show your kids you want them to go to show on Shabbos. That's a Yerushalayim decision. That they didn't make on their own. Hashem didn't do it. Another human being did it. So if I make a program with you or somebody, that if you do the mitzvahs, I will reward you. And if you do an Avera, I will beat the stuffing out of you. This person will be an amazing Yerei Shemayim. But it's not a Chassan Hakol B'day Shemayim Chutzmir Shemayim because it's one human compelling another human. Hashem's not involved. So the first Yisait of the Chazanish is that Bechira doesn't necessarily mean that every human has 100% free will. 
it means that humans have free will and Hashem won't get involved. But what one human does to another human, that's not a chisarn and Hashem getting involved, even though you didn't have Bechira. Now, for instance, you in your life, you don't have much Bechira. Right? You, you, don't, you don't want to go up there. You have a good time here, Shabbos. So you, why do you do this? You, 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 you're compelled by humans. You know, not, you know, are, you, are you really making a free choice? No way. The Gishmaka life. No Shagitz has Kiddush on Shabbos. <laughs> you know, no Shagitz could correct the Balkan. You know, there's like a few things they say, like, you know, like the, a guy never had that Hana. One is correcting the Balkan, right? <laughs> another, could relate to that. Yeah, another one is like when... Is when you're, I'm not laughing at anyone. Another <laughs> one is when you're about to start... The answer is I don't make mistakes. <laughs> another Hana, a guy never has, there's a whole list of them. Is when you're about to start Vuhurachum, the guy claps on the bima. I like a shimaka zach. I never had that hana. There's many, there's many hanas that. Okay, oh, Kayla. Oh, yeah, I mean, I say No, if a guy would know a Kayla, is like they would give it all up. So, <laughs> so, so we don't really have bechira. Did, did you ever really? No, like we have little bechiras. Is that a chesar? No, because Bechira doesn't mean you have free will. It means God doesn't get involved. What one human does to another, what your parents compelled you to do, and what you compel your kids to do, and, and forget your kids and your parents, what we compel each other to do, that's, that's not free will by you. It's just Hashem doesn't get involved. That's the Chazanish Lashen. That Hamakam Baruch Hu Meniach is a Bechira Biyad HaAdam. Hashem gives Bechira to humans. One human can force another human. What's the lesson for guilt there? Guilt? Doesn't say, oh, oh, make you feel guilty. However you force. Pitoi means convince, you know, strongly convince. Right, exactly. So therefore, says the Chazanish, you know what? HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted over here. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted the tzaddikim of the dar to force everyone to be from. When the Gemara wanted to elicit a response from Klal Yisrael, Meish Rabbeinu said from Hashem, Mi'itein, who should guarantee this? It said, they should have said, you do it. Who? The tzaddikim. How so? Now here's the next bomb of the Chazanish. One form of control over another human that we have. So far we said two, brute force and the power of persuasion. A third form, that a human can control another human and it doesn't involve Hashem, is through davening for him. That's what the Chazanish says. That a human can control another human using tefillah, it is a third force that I could control another human by. Number one, I could make you do something by taking you by the neck and dragging you there. Number two, I could take you somewhere by saying, here, give me $500 if you do this. If you put on film tomorrow morning, give me $500. That's another way a person can force another human being. And a third way that one human can force another human is by tefillah. And tefillah is not HaKadosh Baruch Hu's actions. 
That's what the Chazanish is saying. If one human dominates for another human to do something, that is not God acting. It's not Hakol Bidei Shemaim Chutz Shemaim. It's a human doing another way of forcing to a human. Incredible. And that's what the Gemara means over here. When it says, The Tzadikim should have davened for the other people. Hashem's not involved. One human first another human. So first of all, that's cool. That's not Hashem. It's one human versus another human. Second of all, what method did one human use to force another human? Tefillah. Ramesha Feinstein, I don't know if you knew about this Chazanish, said, what are you talking about? Asking Hashem through davening yeah. is appealing to God. The Chazan Ish is telling Ramesha, no. The Chazan Ish is telling us that tefillah is not using God. Tefillah is a tool that God put into the world. Tefillah is a force that Hashem put into the world, and it is a force available to us, and it doesn't need God's action. God gave us the tool of tefillah, Tefillah is another tool in the toolbox of getting things done on earth, and it doesn't involve Hashem. If that was the case, and tefillah is a tool, then why is it that each time there's a tefillah that it works out if Hashem is not involved? Because different, you know, there's, you know, it involves Hashem, but since it's human-initiated, because of course Hashem has to okay it, but since it's human-initiated, in the scoreboard it doesn't go... It's like a you know two three two one double play. You know, it doesn't go initiated by the rebbeinu It goes initiated by the human. The chazanish lashon is, kaven shenasa al yidei tefilas nivra. Since it is done by the tefilah of someone that's created, then it's then it's 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 not called a kosh baruch It's tefilas and shmas misyachas hakir says kosh baruch luberuav. It's it's chalked up at something that a human did. And that is this incredible Chazanish. Now, of course, Ramesha Feinstein argues. Ramesha Feinstein says, no, if you use Tefillah, you're appealing to God. If God has to get involved, he doesn't get involved in Ruchnis. So you have a massive machlekes between Ramesha Feinstein and the Chazanish. Can I daven for another human's Ruchnius welfare? <coughs> Which, I don't know about you, I do all the time. Because I do all the time. I daven that my kids should have Yerushalayim. And that's what Avarabba is. That, isn't that what we're davening for in Avarabba? Isn't that what, you know, it's half of Meshwan Esri. That my kids should become good kids. You know, we say it in, we say it in the end of, uh, in the end of Brich Shmei. We daven all the time for our kids' Ruchnius. So according to the Chazanish, it's not a Chesarin in, in Hakobi Deshmaim. According to Ramesh, you have to do a dance. And this is a massively important Chazanish. Okay. I guess we'll stop here. We'll do the we'll do the coffee tomorrow. What was Ramona saying in the context? This. About this 